Good morning. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. So this week's Torah portion is entitled La'et Hanan, meaning, and I pleaded. It covers Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23, and it goes through chapter 7, verse 11. Like Rabbi Lawrence said, Moses here is covering the events of the last 40 years in the desert, and here he's using the experiences and failures of the past 40 years to instruct and warn the nation of Israel about the manner in which that they should conduct themselves in the promised land once they cross over and possess it. It almost reminds me of a parent giving you fair warning about behaving and not acting up when you're going over to other people's houses. You know, don't touch this, don't do this. Moses continues to impress upon the people the seriousness of the situation, almost pleading with them. He uses words like, you saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Poor, and only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen. He instructs them on how to conduct themselves and reminds them that Adonai is real. He's watching and he will be with them. He commands them to be obedient to the Lord and to completely avoid idolatry, going so far as to say, should they get comfortable in the land and begin to dabble in idolatry, and I quote, you will quickly perish from the land. You will not live there long and will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. Now the parasha continues in chapter four, where Moses sets aside three cities of refuge. And I'm gonna circle back and dive deeper into those a bit later. Moses then presents the law to the nation of Israel. The law contains 613 commandments, but only 10 of them are emphasized here. Yeshua summed up those 10 by saying that the most important of these are to love God with all your heart, soul, and might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The Shema is found in chapter 6, the declaration of our, of our God being Echad or one. In Hebrew, the word Echad can be a picture of two or more separate things coming together to make one thing. Like two individuals who get married, they're two separate individuals, but they become one. They become Echad. Adonai is just like that. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all three separate entities. Yet we don't worship three separate gods. They are Echad. We worship one God. So much has been written and discussed about the Ten Commandments and the Shema, but you don't hear a lot about the cities of refuge, and they are a perfect foreshadowing of the refuge that Yeshua provides and the manner in how he provides it. The law of manslaughter was not instituted until around the 7th century in Greece. So during biblical times, they didn't have the same court structure or laws as they do today. In addition, they had a custom back then that if someone in your family was murdered, then you had the right to seek revenge and kill him who killed your loved one. Now, mind you, this was a custom. This was not a law from God, nor did he support it, because the Lord tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and in other places that vengeance is his. So he had Moses establish a total of six cities used as cities of refuge, and these are discussed in greater detail in the books of Numbers and Joshua. In our parasha, three are discussed. These cities were chosen on the eastern side of the River Jordan, far away from uh, the rest of the camps, and they were named Bezar, Ramoth, and Golan. 
Now, in order to qualify and gain entrance into the city, you had to have killed someone unwittingly or unknowingly. You and I are guilty of putting someone to death as well. You and I put Yeshua on that cross. Yeshua died because of us and because of our sins. But we killed him unwittingly and unknowingly. Remember when he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We were guilty. We needed forgiveness. We needed a place of refuge. And Yeshua has provided himself as that refuge for us. The name Bezar means fortification. And there's a theme woven throughout several Old Testament passages where a wall or a fence or a fortress provides a measure of protection from one's enemies. Walls and fences and fortresses were physical barriers to unauthorized entry. Yeshua is that physical barrier, our fortification, so that Satan can't make any unauthorized entry into our souls. But remember that fortifications did have gates, and if we're not careful, we could allow Satan to come into one of these gates. But Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And the psalmist says that God is our refuge and our strength. Finally, we have Ramoth, which means exalted or a high place. In the Hebrew, the word high means elevation or height. And in the Greek, it speaks of above the sky or heavenly. So when we talk about high places, it's the same as talking about heavenly places or the places where Yeshua dwells. And when Yeshua returns to earth to set up his millennium kingdom, he will rule from on top of Jerusalem, which in itself is on top of a mountain. Jesus is always associated with high places because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. As shown, some of these names of the cities of refuge describe Yeshua, our savior and protector, who is our refuge. He is a very present help in trouble. He is holy. He is a shoulder for us to lean on. He is our very best friend. We can fellowship with him when no one else wants us. He builds a hedge or a fortress around us, and he is our fortification. He's our joy. If you have not accepted Yeshua as your savior, then I encourage you to do so today and to allow him to be your refuge. Shabbat shalom, everyone.